Oh, Lord, help us to know that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by the steady faith and by the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week I said that on our road to Bethlehem in this season of Advent, we would visit several places with the prophet Isaiah as our tour guide. This week we consider the kingdom of peace prophesied by Isaiah, longed for in Psalm 72 that Johnny read earlier. So listen now for the word of God in Isaiah, the 11th chapter. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Now turning to our New Testament reading, the Isaiah reading is from the NRSV, and the Romans 15 reading will be from the Common English Bible, the CEB. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude toward each other, similar to Christ Jesus' attitude. That way, you can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together with one voice. So, welcome each other in the same way that Christ also welcomed you for God's glory. I'm saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth in order to confirm the promises given to the ancestors and so that the Gentiles could glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, because of this I will confess you among the Gentiles and I will sing praises to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and all the people should sing his praises. And again, Isaiah says, 
there will be a root who will also rise to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will place their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in faith so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Stumped? Usually at this time of year, stumped describes the feeling you have as you ponder, what in the world will I give so-and-so for a Christmas present? That feeling may come, it may come because some people seem to have everything they might want. Or, could be they're just too picky, too hard to please. Some feelings can also come from experiences we're like Betty had one December when she and I were dating. She had a brightly wrapped record album. It's sort of a little CD, but it's LP thing. Wrapped up in her hands as she came up the steps to my house and as she approached the door, she could hear my big booming stereo speakers, those are KLHs as big as this pulpit, booming out song from the very same album she had bought me. <laughs> So I always get a receipt, right? Well, that's not the kind of stump we are focused on today. Two parts of the first verse we read, though, may have stumped you. Now, what does it mean? A shoot shall come out from a stump of Jesse, a branch that will grow out of its roots. And the second stumper is, who's Jesse? Well, let's answer the second question first because uh, it's a little easier. Jesse is the father of King David, the shepherd king. The people believed that God's favor came to them through David's family tree. But that Davidic dynasty had fallen on hard times. We're not exactly sure when this part of Isaiah was written, but either one, it was had either been, uh, that had ended by the Babylonians in the, when they were exiled in the 6th century B.C., or could have been when they had been humiliated by the Assyrians in the 8th century B.C. They had a bunch of hard times. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't a family tree anymore. It had been cut off. It was just a stump. Well, what about this shoot coming out of the stump, the branch? that shall grow out of its roots. Well, some of it is in that hope that was voiced in Psalm 72 that Johnny read for us at the beginning. So what kind of king did Isaiah prophesy? Well, he says he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, which is to say that he disregards non-evidence such as appearance or hearsay you know, there's a whole lot of gossip that could be left off if we just 
if we left off the part that we don't know for ourselves, well, I don't know as a fact, but I, she told me that so-and-so, hearsay. He won't be open to that. He won't be open to bribes that his eyes see or convinced by propaganda that his ears hear. We have different names for propaganda these days. It's either advertising or politics, right? The fourth verse tells us that with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek, which is to say the king will look, look after the well-being of what we call the least of these, the poor, the vulnerable. And what's more, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Isaiah lists three pairs of characteristics of this Spirit of the Lord. The first two convey insight, that spirit of wisdom and understanding. The next two convey a will to act, to do something, the spirit of counsel and might. And the last pair, the last pair convey openness and submission to the will of God. That is the, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. There was a Greek philosopher named Epictetus in about the 6th century B.C. in Ephesus who said, you can't teach a man something he already knows. <laughs> and, there, and now today's to be politically correct, say, or a woman either. <laughs> we already think we know everything. It's kind of hard to be open to learning. And what does that fourth verse mean about striking the earth with the rod of his mouth, killing the wicked with the breath of his lips? The king Isaiah prophesies uses courageous speech and takes action against the wicked. Or as this uh, Presbyterian preacher and writer Tim Keller says, he writes about the king hoped for in the 72nd Psalm, a better king. This is going to be a better king than than the best government has ever produced. So why do we care about this new king prophesied by Isaiah, longed for by the psalmist of Psalm 72? Because this king is the king of kings. This king makes the whole new world possible. Christ makes it possible not only for our daily life to be brought into sync with God's rule, but for the whole of creation to begin again. Healed, restored, forgiven. You could say that the first five verses we read from Isaiah 11 are about justice, making things right. The second five are all about peace. Back in the 1800s, there was a clever cynic named Ambrose Bierce who wrote a little book called The Devil's Dictionary. The one I always remember is that Bierce defined peace as periods of cheating between periods of war. But that's not the definition used by the writers of the Bible. That Hebrew word for peace is shalom. That word occurs more than 250 times in the Bible. Sometimes it's a courteous greeting, peace be with you. Sometimes it refers to health, well-being, such as sound sleep, which if you don't get sound sleep is a major blessing, tranquil death, or physical safety. It's also used to describe good relations between people and between nations. Shalom is associated with righteousness, law, or they would say Torah, 
law, judgment, and the actions of public officials. And of course, it can also refer to quiet tranquility, contentment. Peace is the blessing that God gives the people of God. And without God, there is no peace. But sometimes, sometimes we consider the beauty of the moon and the stars, uh, the cloudless night, or the sun rising or setting over the ocean or a mountain range. We consider that peace. We consider the beauty of butterflies and songbirds. We think of all of this and we consider nature as peaceful. But as the poet Alfred Lord Tennyson famously described in nature in one poem as red in tooth and claw. Or if you watch those uh, late night video uh, ads for, for uh, that show rams bumping into each other and other kind of gruesome animal conflicts, nature is not always so peaceful. Our greeting for card version of nature is peaceful only because it leaves off the gruesome nature of predators or the fearsome effects of things like tornadoes and earthquakes and droughts and forest fires and so on. We do not yet have that peaceable kingdom, but Isaiah tells us that in the kingdom of God, we will. Isaiah's vision is not just wishful thinking, that under the right leadership, people and nations will get along, that even in nature, that they won't need to fear predators, cows and bears, lambs and wolves, kids as in baby goats, kids and leopards, calves and lions. The carnivores would be vegetarians, it tells us, eating grass instead of other creatures. And even children need not fear snakes. And every adult in here fears snakes to some degree, I bet. In short, in the kingdom of God, no hurt, no destruction. People at peace, nature at peace, God in charge. And who will this great leader be, this perfect king? Well, you know, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In the second chapter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes about peace, saying Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of two groups, making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by way of the cross, which ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who are far away, far away from God and to those who are near. We both have access to the Father through Christ by one spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens to God and God's kingdom, but you are fellow citizens with God's people. You belong, we belong to God's household. As God's household, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone.
next period of time. Love the Lord. Choose the good. Hold fast to God so that you may abound in hope and not get stumped. Now may the wisdom of God, the love of Christ, and the peace of the Spirit shine brightly in your life this day and always. Amen.